0: You'll find us here,
1: moving iron. Hello,
0: and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 321. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire has a couple great gifts for the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast. One, if you send an email to marketing at axontire.com, they will give you a free beanie in the mail. So just give them your details and they'll ship that over to you. ASAP, And also, if you want to come to the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. And if you're one of the first 150 people to do that, Axon will pay you the first $50 of your registration fee. So check that out. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over 20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is an industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. Quick note on that. Check out uh, Barn Talk. Uh, There's a podcast called Barn Talk. And Kyle McMahon was on there talking about his story and what they're doing at Tractor Zoom and stuff like that. So great podcast to listen to. Uh, get a little more information about what they're doing over at Tractor Zoom. So check that out. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil Appworks, the Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer insights. I'm sorry, correct. Create customers experience and transform how you work today. I have Dan Lewis here with me from Western Oregon, and I met Dan on Twitter, and uh, he is Dan the Corn Guy uh, on Twitter there. And Dan is was nice enough to come on and just to talk about uh, what he sees happening out in the marketplace and get a little different perspective. So, Dan, how you doing, man? Doing pretty
1: good today, Casey. I'm glad you can make it on, bud. Yeah, happy to be on. Right on. The- yeah, so happy to be a part of it.
0: I appreciate that. So, Dan, uh, Dan was—I tell you—I I think pretty early on there, like like the second or third year that I'd been doing the podcast, Dan started started you know commenting on stuff and those kind of things. So, he was—he's uh, been a uh, a good a good follower of the podcast, and and uh, i really enjoyed his his feedback over the years. So, I guess Dan, talk a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you live, all that kind of stuff, and and uh, we'll go from there.
1: So I live uh, about 25 miles west of Portland, Oregon, and I'm in the kind of the north end of the Willamette Valley okay. and diverse valley of, as far as crops that we grow, um, I farm about 300 acres. I grow some grain corn, uh, clover seeds, some grass seed, wheat oats, uh, grown some radish seed before, um, trying to, trying to stay in kind of some of the specialty seeds. Uh, just like to see have a smaller operation, mm-hmm. uh, kind of working into some of those niche markets. And then I also sell pioneer corn seed. I'm the pioneer rep for the Willamette Valley and, uh, cover a pretty big area, visit with quite a few people. And then, then I'll sell some silage plastic and bags to the dairies. And so, um, I keep myself pretty busy. It's just my wife and I that run the operation. Sometimes okay. kids come and help, but it's we we stay pretty busy in the especially in the spring and summer and yeah. fall.
0: Right. Okay. So I, I would love to get your opinion right now what, what you see happening around you. I mean, with as many customers as you're calling on in in, in the Lima Valley there, I mean and, and the diversity that you see there, machine technology has got to be Something that is just, at every turn, you got to see something new coming, coming at you a little bit. I guess talk about that a little bit from your perspective and, and what your customers are talking about.
1: So, so, one of the things that we're seeing is it's just size. Everybody's kind yeah. of scaling up as far as, um, you know, we used to see like the grass seed farmers would run a, maybe a smaller machine you know, like a 9600 John Deere because they like the walker machine, but they'd have 20 of them to get over the acres. Well, now they're going to the bigger machines and 10 of them
0: because
1: mm-hmm. they can't get labor. Right. Uh, <clears throat> seeing, you know, rotary, wind, like our wind rowers for grass seed, we don't have any conditioners in them. Okay. So they can, and modifying rotary machines to cut grass seed at 10 miles an hour. So now we can instead of a sickle machine doing five, they've got a rotary machine doing tens. We can theoretically have half the number of machines.
0: Right. Yep.
1: Yeah. And then as far as true technology, you know, we're seeing more, uh, you know, obviously auto steer and, um, right. but sprayer technology, uh, it, with, uh, rate controllers and the auto boom shutoffs and those kind of things you know t- typically out in western oregon we're kind of late adopters you'll you'll see stuff back in the midwest for 5 years before it gets here mm-hmm. this seems like it takes a while to get here but it is happening
0: yeah
1: a, a lot mountains. of mountains because of labor we just yeah
0: yeah you see that as a driving factor i mean I, to me I, that's when i look at the technology that's coming down the line you know deer came out with some stuff at the the ces show they they introduced uh a, a few <clears throat> a few new things there and one of them being culture uh exact shot and you know i think stuff like that where you're looking at the reduction of chemical use and reduction of just inputs in general and what that looks like and how those things are coming together but to me i think a lot of this um technology that we've seen here come of late with the really I don't want to say we're we're dipping our toe into the into the deep end of the autonomous vehicle side because I think we've had autonomous vehicles for 20 years we just needed someone to to monitor the monitor inside inside the machine right but I guess yeah. looking at that how, how many adopters do you think you would have of the guys you work with if, if tomorrow there was a a fleet of, you know, 300 horsepower tractors that were, or 150 horsepower tractors, 200 horsepower tractors, whatever it is that they, that they're farming with that were totally autonomous. What do you think the adoption rate would be and, and how fast do you think that adoption rate would take hold?
1: Boy, that's a good question. Um, I think the adoption rate would be slow. Uh-huh. Um And when you say fully autonomous, that means there's no operator in it.
0: Yeah. The machine doing its thing. Yeah.
1: Doing its thing. Yeah. See, one of the things that we have here is typically our field size isn't very big. Right. So I I don't know how that would work. It may work. It it would probably work great. I just don't understand. I don't know enough about them. Mm -hmm. um, I think it would be slow. I do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm kind of, I'm kind of like you a little bit. <coughs> of course you'd have your first, you'd have that 20% that if it's new, I'm going to, I'm going to get it no matter what type of deal. And then you've got, you know, the last 20% that I'll get it eventually, but it would be, you know, 10 years after everybody else has the type of thing. Cause I'm, I like my little niche in life. And then you got the, the space in the middle there and that's the hard part to kind of. That's where the real meat of, of any new technology lies. Is in that, is in that middle section right there that c- people that can go either way. And I, I think, to me, the labor issue has gotten to be such a, a dynamic portion of it because when I'm looking at autonomous vehicles, and autonomous machinery and those kind of things, to me, that's a great, a great leveler when you're looking at. If you want to grow your farm, right? If you want, if you're in a growth mode or not growth mode, I mean, the biggest thing that you have, the two biggest things that you run into is obviously access to capital, right? Are you able? Are you able to get the capital to grow? But the other limiting factor is your access to labor and what that looks like. So, if you take out the labor part of it, and all you have to worry about is the access to capital, um, you. So I am. I think in the future, if you're looking at some of the stuff, there could be some guy that farms a thousand acres someplace. That now that he doesn't have to worry about labor, they can grow their operation to double, triple, whatever they want to, and it's it's going to be easier to do that, assuming that they have access to capital. So, what do you think about that? And have you thought about that at all?
1: Um, and one of the things that I've thought about with the autonomous oh. and I and I, th- I think you've talked about it on your podcast is, is it autonomous 300 horsepower tractors or is it autonomous a hundred horsepower tractors? Right. And now all of a sudden, and, you know, cause that tractor is going to run essentially or could run 24 hours a day. Sure. I mean, gotta go take some fuel out to it. But other than that, it can just, just go. Right. So you don't need that big a tractor because you don't have to worry about, keeping a man in it and now that you know instead of that 300 horsepower tractor running 10 hours a day 12 hours a day you know you could get the same amount of work done with a smaller tractor it just runs all the time
0: right yep i think that's a i've given that some that's a lot of uh a thought i've thought about that quite a bit too when you're thinking about so instead of having one 300 horsepower tractor maybe you've got 250 horsepower tractors pulling the implement of equals of the same implement, but two implements work at the same time type of deal. So there's a, but a, there, there again, that takes away that that labor issue that you see right there. And I think that's such the, I think that's why technology in farming um, has really kind of has a good foothold because it's a labor issue that we're ultimately up against. And I think that's that's the uh, that's the The push, I think that's going to get that autonomous vehicle here faster than, you know, Deere said by 2030, they'll have, you know, fully autonomous fleet. And that, I think that'll come sooner than, than that, just because of the demand signal that's out there.
1: So, yeah, if you look at, I mean, I can say Oregon here, but the West Coast in general, there, the, we have. Uh, overtime laws coming into effect where, you know, in the next two or three years, you know, 40 after 40 hours in ag, um, they have to pay overtime. So that, and then uh, been a high, higher minimum wage costs. Mm-hmm. I mean, raising the minimum wage up, I think we're at 13, 14 dollars an hour now for a minimum wage. And that keeps that keeps coming up. So mm-hmm. I could. Uh, autonomous tractor would be a game changer because I don't know what they would cost, but would they be one and a half times what a um, pick your horsepower, but one and a half times what a, a conventional tractor would be yeah. twice. Yep.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the, uh, <clears throat> that's, that's the uh, million-dollar question. There is like, what's what's that going to cost? And then you start looking at upgrade kits. What the what's that look like? And start looking at some autonomous upgrade kits. And what you know, how far back does that go? And what machine? Maybe the machine you have now, you can upgrade to an autonomous tractor by, you know, putting in a different wiring harness or whatever. And you know, away you go, type of thing. So, it's going to be. Uh, I, I think farming, and the equipment business in general, in the next five years are going to be. It's going to change so much that it's going to be hard to, if you were to have a time machine and go forward in time from now, it, we'd have a hard time recognizing what it is that we're, what it is that we're doing compared to what it was.
1: Because all this new stuff is just mm-hmm. almost like a fire hose shot at you. It's just coming yeah. so hard to keep up with it.
0: Yep. Yep. You got to keep up with what works for your, for your, uh, for your operation. So it's crazy time. It's exciting time though, but it's fun to be in because you, it's like every, I read an article about something every quarter. It feels like there's some kind of brand new somebody somewhere is doing something. And and what used to be just, you know, farm show uh, booth bait is now actually uh, coming, coming to life, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a fun time to be in this business for sure.
1: Yeah. uh, NBC news had a, on the consumer uh products you know the electronic show in Vegas. Yeah. and bake yeah my sister uh who lives up in the seattle area sent me that yesterday mm-hmm. you know seen that and she goes it's her, her comment was it's not your father's john deere and it, it's truly not
0: no that's yeah it's changed a lot yeah it's really when, changed.
1: I, when i was growing up in the 70s and 80s i knew all the specifications of a 4440, or you know Take your pick of a john deere and now i they're changing so fast i couldn't tell you yeah between a 360 and a 370 i mean and there's there's tons of change so
0: yeah things are changing and you take a look at like what uh take a look at what case rolled out with here what three four months ago whatever that was with their fully autonomous uh spreader uh high clearance spreader uh, machine yeah. and I think that's that first step into that. I mean, if you look at that's a, you know, you can drive it or you can turn it loose and let it do its thing. So that's kind of where that, that melding of two things are coming together. You know, we have, we've really got to, what's the best way to put that? We really got to pay attention to what, what's going on and what's it look like and, and then how's that going to be um, implemented on the farm. And I think more stuff like that. I mean, I think like those, those are uh, so. Do you have a lot of dry, dry spinners uh boxes out there your way?
1: Yep, it's pretty much all dry. And I was, you, you got me thinking about something. Amazon. I don't know if you've heard of them. They've got yep. a dry box. Yep. And they they'll spread ninety feet. You can adjust it off of your iPhone. Oh yeah. just how you, if you want to throw it light to one side, heavy to the other. Mm-hmm. They. They're selling a ton of them out here because they're, so yeah, because versus the old spinner boxes that were just, uh I mean, yes, they have rate controllers on them, but it's just two steel spinners it's flinging fertilizer.
0: Right. Yeah. Because I know, like in the grass seed area, like that, that would be that the top the top dressing of that with the spreader boxes and those kind of things have got to be a big thing. So I was thinking about that before we came on with with that particular machine. Do you feel like that would have some foothold in your area? It
1: could, it really could,
0: because I think that would be just because what it is, it's that niched in your area. You know what I mean. So it's just it's one of those things where you have a a large customer base that's going to be looking for something like that. Just like you're talking about the spinner box there, the Amazon, that would be a another addition on top of that that technology there too. So it'd be interesting to watch to see how that that spreads and grows out there.
1: Yeah, you know if if they could make that a high flotation rig because typically we'll be top dressing in the in february and march and it's it's wet out here yeah. so everybody's running you know they're they're floater machines they've got yeah. three-wheel buggies but three and four-wheel buggies with you know the big wide flotation tires on them so
0: yeah so, let's so talk, yeah let's talk a little bit about the uh the uh, the corn seed business a little bit and what you see happening there. Tons of technology coming out. I mean, seed technology anymore and what they're able to get from yields in some of the worst possible climates. Um, if you look at the drought we've had here um, in the Midwest or in the on the high plains and, and in those areas over the last couple of years, and it still shocks me, the the corn yield that we get, and even in, in high drought situations that we're in. You know, you go back 25 years and where we were getting 125 bushel corn now might have only been 50 to 25 bushel corn in the same condition. So I guess since the the years that you've been working for Pioneer and watching stuff, you know, take off and grow that way, what are some of the really innovative things you've seen come down the pike from that?
1: You know, I guess the, the you know, on the trade side, just how they keep uh coming up with with new and better traits mm-hmm. to protect against you know rootworm and you know above ground pest cutworm armyworm those kind of things yeah and just the the advancements in yield especially in the in the shorter season products uh 10 years ago there was basically no grain corn grown in this area because we have a fairly short growing season Mm -hmm. and now we have hybrids that can, you know, it's like a 72 day hybrid that can yield 200 bushel. Yeah. You know, we have 90 products that can yield 300 bushel, you know, in the right conditions. Typically 250 though is very doable.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, The drought tolerance uh t- typically all of our corn is irrigated but we don't over irrigate by any means but they just can handle stress just so much better yeah than than what they did i've been selling seed for 20 years and it's just those kind of advancements the uh, again yield uh especially in the shorter season lineup are and just more products and they're coming out with new ones, you know, every year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, amazing. it's amazing what they put out there. Cause it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the running joke that I have around the office and with some of my customers, is, you guys did everything that you'd see, uh, on, from the seed companies and the chemical companies and those kind of things, you, you guys should be growing 600 bushel corn by now, but it's, uh, it is, it is amazing what, what, what we're able to grow in not the best environment. um, And, and not just, not just a year over year thing, but the consistency that it's able to happen. Right. It's not, you know, you have some years that are off, you know, some years that are better than others, those kind of things, but all things considered, it's just that the consistency that you see year in year out with, with some of this uh, seed technology, chemical technology, you know, various herbicides, uh, pesticides, fertilizers, you know, biologics have started making their way back into the conversation again. Um, you start seeing these, these big ramp ups out there. So I guess, you know, Dan, as you're looking at all these different things that are out there, what are some of the, what are some of the key factors, I guess, when you're, if you're working with your people, what are some of the key factors you're talking to them about, um, about maintaining that consistent program year in, year out?
1: Well, it, I mean, it's it's several things. It's not just seed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's obviously maintaining your fertilizer, your your fertility program. Mm-hmm. You know, even though fertilizer is expensive, and, and granted, I work with a lot of dairies, so they have a pretty good fertility program anyway. They got lots of manure. Yeah, lots but of but working with just my you know conventional customers, don't shortchange your fertility program because. You could shortchange it one year, but it's going to cost you in the years to come. Right? Um, that's that's number one. Uh, don't do any shortcuts on field prep because you've got to make a good seed bed, and you're investing a hundred, you know, twenty five dollars an acre in corn seed. You've got one chance to do it right, mm. so don't don't shortchange anything. You know. Yeah. Good weed control. Don't let the weeds take over. Irrigation. You know, make sure you've got plenty of water. People want to try and, you know, save five dollars or ten dollars an acre, and it ends up costing them fifty. Right. You've you've if you're going to do it, you've got to go take good care of it.
0: Yeah. What are some of the conversations you're having with your customers when it comes to how they're looking at? if this even comes up, how, how you, how they're looking at equipment right now and how they're looking at, at their upgrading program they have through, you know, when's, when are they looking at now? Is that increased or decreased? Is that um, stayed the same and w- what kind of conversations are you hearing about that?
1: So, you know, the, we've had some, some good years here, the last couple, you know, 20, you know, 2020, 2021, 2022, we're, pretty good years yeah so a lot of upgrading going on new tractors and and you know some new choppers coming out to some dairies um, that started that's really slowed down here in the last uh, I'd say four months you know yeah. since since this fall between interest rates yeah uh, the cost of equipment mm-hmm. has went up exponentially. Yep, uh, and then we've like in the grass seed industry here in the lime valley it's softened a little bit and i think that is softened because of again interest rates in the housing sectors yeah. you know, so less grass seeds so these everybody's everything's kind of tightened up so equipment i think I think they're going to be holding back on purchasing new equipment at least for a little while till things kind of straighten up a little bit. No. The, the dairies have had high feed costs. Yeah. The price of milk has been good, but they've needed the price of milk to be good to cover the high feed costs. Right. So,
0: when you're looking at so the customers that you're that you're talking with, I mean, is the appetite for used equipment higher now because of what they're seeing for price or do they see um, is it just interest rates in general have kind of slowed everything down?
1: I think when, if somebody is looking for a piece, it's probably going to be, be used, gotcha. but, even, but even the used prices have been
0: oh yeah high. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, we we're, we're seeing, um, you know, we were talking about this the other day, you know, we were looking at some equipment and we were, we were throwing around, you know, 480,000 of, you know, $550,000 stuff. And it was just, I I couldn't even say the words come out of my mouth. Right. I kept, I kept saying three something, four something, you know, I was, I was so, it was so, uh, such a, a foreign aspect of where it looks And But I think too, I think you have, uh, we had a lot of crazy things happening that that really drove that up right obviously any other industry the same way whether it's trucks or side by sides you know it's all that stuff you know i have a friend of mine that owns a uh what is it i think it's a can am polaris something and uh one of the two but anyway we were talking about it the other day it's like man i had a guy come in looking at an xyz and it was i couldn't believe what it cost him and he's like i i priced one out the other day it was it was over 40 grand for a side-by side and I'm like man you could buy <laughs> you could really buy a nice a nice you know truck to drive to go do the exact same thing with but it's it's yeah. uh it's crazy what the price of, of stuff has gotten to and what that looks like and the the I think the real saving grace to a lot of this people a lot of this stuff when you're looking at how the overall market plays out what that looks like is fortunately, there's not a big pile of any kind of used equipment anywhere, right? So you have a, a pretty bare cupboard that you can f- fill back up, and it's going to take a while to fill that back up just because of, just because of what you're talking about. People are slowing down on what they're buying, and they're holding stuff longer, um, and it's just these this 21 through 23 model year is just going to be a, a slower time to fill back up because. One, there's not that many of them to be that were produced. And secondly, um you gotta have some kind of a backfill to come into that. And we just don't have that right now. So it'll be it's gonna be a, an interesting experiment to watch, you know, play out over the next four to five years as to what used equipment values do and as comparatively to um <clears throat> to new equipment when you have a just a, a kind of a perpetual lack of supply out there.
1: Yeah, as I drive around and and you know drive by the the John Deere dealer uh, that's through the valley and the and the Case IH dealer, there's very little used, very few used machines there. Yeah, they, they're starting to get some new equipment, but not a lot. Yeah, um, when the pandemic hit uh, in our area, they sold out of the you know the small homeowner tractors. You know that. Sure. Yeah, forty horsepower
0: tractor.
1: Yeah. Now the lots are getting filled back up with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you know, there's as far as big equipment, there's just not a lot around. As yeah. far like, again, there's some new stuff coming, but not a lot of used stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's going to be that's going to be the, the the big story. I think through the remainder of this decade is just what does this used equipment look like, and how does it rebound? Because I, I've kind of compared it to the same thing we saw in 2012, 2013, 2014, where a, a mass amount of equipment was produced by by manufacturers. And the subsequent backside of that was we went seven years with just having an, an oversupplied used equipment marketplace. And now it's the reverse of that. We don't have that for about a three-year period. And, and now we're going to be going doing the exact same movement for the next seven years or whatever with, with a lack of supply. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting thing to see what happens on it. Cause I think obviously there'll be a correction sometime. There are always um, is. And any, anything that you're doing. Um, but I just, this is not going to be one of those corrections that just gets your head ripped off type of thing. When you start looking at your balance sheet, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a lot easier kind of off uh, the parachute's going to be a lot bigger than it was in the, in the first go around.
1: And it'll be interesting to see if commodity prices fall off, especially for you guys in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, do these do these auction prices soften, and you know equipment gets a little more reasonably priced, or yeah. does it stay high just because of the lack of equipment?
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of auctions, what are you seeing out in your way? Is there a lot of retirement sales and those kind of things happening, or is it is it pretty much you know stay in the same course you've seen over the last five years?
1: It's kind of stay in the same course. Yeah, we you know we typically don't have many retirement auctions out here. Gotcha. And I don't know why it's but it's we've never really had many. Maybe one a year, maybe. And typically, what happens is the when the farmer decides to retire. The equipment just gets absorbed by either the, typically the neighbors, you know, they find out that he's going to retire and, and Bob comes and buys the combine and Joe buys the tractor and it just kind of,
0: kind of works it, itself out, huh? Goes away. Yeah. 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 I've been watching that too. And, you know, here in our area, I mean, in the whole Midwest for that matter, the, the biggest supply of of used equipment to the market it seems like has been those those retirement sales we've seen some pretty big retirement sales come through a few uh there's been a few dealer uh, liquidations of sorts that we've seen kind of pull through that but tell you from 21 through here just of late i mean the number of machines that have been sold used uh and the amount of money that they're bringing some of the stuff was bringing more money than we were asking for it i mean it was just it's amazing what what values we're doing and i think that's going to be something out there you know you take a look at like the combine market right now and you look at some some of the trend lines you see there you know combines god love them i mean they're 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 the first to get you know flushed down the toilet and the last to get pulled back out you know what i mean so it's just and and i think we're starting to see some of that softening in the combine marketplace i think there's some of that that we're gonna we are gonna see but i think more of the softening that we're seeing really isn't it's not I don't know that it's so much obviously it's demand driven, but it's not because of um the lack of demand. I think it's because now there, there's more available, right? So that because I'm the only one in North America that's got the one that you're looking for, you're gonna pay whatever price I have out there. It, that 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 scarcity premium is starting to kinda of erode away. And I think that's I think that's across the board. We'll start seeing that in three twenty three and twenty four, in my opinion.
1: Sure. If there's ten of something, Mm -hmm. it's going to price versus if there's only one of them.
0: Yep. And and I think that's the correction that we're going to see. I I think that's what that is. It's just that that scarcity premium is going to slowly erode its way off, and you know, the market might correct itself ten or fifteen percent, maybe maybe twenty percent. But you start looking at some of these numbers, you know, twenty percent on four hundred thousand dollars—that's eighty thousand bucks. You know, I mean, that's that's a fair amount of money. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it's not like the $225,000 combine that it corrects 10 or 15%, and you're, you know, you're looking at 20,000 bucks, you know. Yeah, now you're looking at some real numbers. And I think that's, that's the scary factor when you start looking at some of these things because, yeah, the overall number of machines on the market might be way less, but the number of dollars that are out there is probably pretty close to what it was, you know, probably the beginning of 20, uh, 22, 21 into 21, beginning of 22, the dollars are probably pretty close to, to each other. And that's the scary part is that is the amount of dollars associated out there. But uh, same thing being said, goes back to that. And this is, this would be the fun part of the experiment and watching this thing grow is with less supply out there than we saw, you know, a year and a half, 18 months ago. Yeah. Will it be that bad? you know so it, so it's going to be some correction it's just what does that correction look like and it might only be 10% but it might i don't think it's going to be 40 or 50% like we saw in in uh 12 and you now 14 15 time frame so it'll be uh it, this is going to be uh, something that's going to be very notable type of thing that we're going to pay a lot of attention to and I was talking with a guy the other day and, and you can you can probably relate to this a little bit you know we were talking about we're going to be the old guys talking to the young guys about what happened in 12, 13, 14. And, then you know, uh, what the subsequent 15, 16, 17 was like, and we, you know, that was going to be our, you know, our 1980s type of thing. And I kind of feels like we're going to have three or four of these kind of little things along the way as as interest rates and all these different things start to come into play that it may not be a decade long thing like the eighties were. Um, but there'll be, shorter more intense kind of aha moments that are going to leave some pain i mean i guess you've been like you've talked about you've sold seed for 20 years and you've seen a lot of ups and downs and all the things that come with that what are you what are you looking at right now and and what are some of your thoughts along the way there
1: you know i kind of see this as a this happened in at least for us out here out here about 2000 Eight two thousand nine when that uh, you know the bank yeah. cr- bank crash bank uh, what am I trying to say you know what I'm talking about
0: Yep, yep
1: uh, so uh, grass seed prices were high hay price I mean feed you know grain prices were high everything was high uh, build a building was expensive everything was you know everything was high well that the economy crashed well it brought grass seed with it um, you know brought the feed markets it brought everything down and those were kind of some tough times for for guys out here but you know then we slowly you know got better and and, and worked our way back and and got to where we are now and i think we'll see if we go into a recession or not but we could i think we could be in for some tough times for you know, maybe, maybe a year, two, it seems like they crash hard and then they slowly kind of work their way back. Yeah. So it's, it's history, you know, history repeats itself. It does. So it really does. Yeah. But, yeah. that's it. But, yeah. but the thing that's, that's maybe a little different now, maybe, um, you know, they, they printed so much money. Yeah. That is there, is there more, Money out there that's going to soften this soften the blow a little bit I, i don't know
0: yeah yeah it seems like the uh the downside is uh is steeper than than what than what i've read about in the past when it comes to how the money money flows and those kind of things are working now so again plenty of things to pay attention to and this experiment that we're living through right now will be interesting to see what comes out on the other side of it.
1: So question for you, we're yeah. talking about experiment. Mm-hmm. So uh, what happens when we get into the, you know, the end of next year mm-hmm. uh, look at December of 23 and grain prices, commodity prices fall and the farmers had to pay high inputs and there's a lot of equipment on dealer lots and it's not moving, will there be some liquidation sales or will the dealers just kind of hold on to it thinking things will get better? Because that's what kind of happened after, you know, that 2012, 13 time, 14 time period.
0: Yep. So, yeah, I think obviously there's going to be liquidation sales. That's always something that's out there. I think the big kind of leveler in this is that, I don't know how full a dealership lot could get, to be honest with you, because I don't think that there's going to be, um, you know, if you have a if you open up your refrigerator and there's a gallon of milk and a jar of jelly and that's all it's in there, you have to go to the grocery store to buy everything else to fill it back up, right? So, I think that's where we're at right now. We've got we've got the gallon of milk and the jar of jelly, and maybe maybe a bottle of ketchup in there, but that's about it, you know. And you start and if your house is like my house, where I got a 16 year old boy and a 13 uh, year old daughter and a 10 year old son, I think most of the groceries are ate before they get out of the bag. So, I mean, I think, and that's kind of where we're at. Is that is that so much of the stuff is getting pre sold down the line so quickly that even if that stopped today, it would take, and we kept selling the same amount of new and taking in the same amount of use that I, I think it would take two seasons before we really saw a huge inventory problem of any kind of magnitude of real magnitude you know so now some some dealerships will will take will be very proactive in that and they'll they'll be really watching that and again that's going to come back down to the dollars that we see associated with these machines are going to drive that but i think in my opinion i think we have a couple years of of buffer out there before we see Something of of real catastrophic, you know, liquidation style, um, ish like you saw with planners. I mean, planners is a good example, it's the most extreme example I can think of in that time frame 2014, 2015. I don't think you could sell a planner unless you sold at an auction because that's that's about the only place they'd go. And I I think that we'll see something, um, like that again, but. The other thing I've been thinking about, too, that's going to kind of ease this used equipment and soften this a little bit is is all the upgrade kits that are available for machines now. And that's only going to grow as we watch things are growing. So you might decide, I'm not going to, I am I don't want to buy, uh, the new one's too expensive for me, but I want that new, you know, whatever, that's good, that new piece of technology that's associated with that new piece. I can now upgrade the machine that I've got. And I just spend the money on the upgrade kit and I'm good to go. Some of the argument that you're going to get from that is now I spent, you know, whatever $400,000 on this machine. When it was new, I'm going to spend another 225,000 on it. I got 600,000 in and I could have bought a new one for 700,000. I think that's going to be some of the dynamics that we see kind of play out. And I think that's going to be the, the difference in what is it, what is doing, and bankers are going to probably do the same. Have start having that conversation with guys too. I'd rather really okay. spend two twenty five on the upgrade kit than seven hundred thousand for the new one or whatever. You know, what I mean, I think that's going to be a. So, I, I think the answer to, to answer your question, I think there are so many factors out there that are so completely different than what we've seen in the past that the same rules won't apply when there's an, another. Uh, machine, another cycle comes through, and 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 we see some kind of a quote unquote oversupply of the market
1: because technology is allowing us to essentially upgrade your tractor, keep the same iron, but sure. throw technology in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just keep you have to maintain the powertrain, but the technology you can update. I think that's going to be that's going to be that, and then you know start looking at what what is this this battery operated um, stuff look like. I mean, Caterpillar's got a, a uh, fully my brother's equipment operator and he demoed a, that Caterpillar um, battery operated dozer. I think it was like a D I think he said it was a D six, maybe D six size. I think deer introduced their battery operated um, excavator at CES. I mean, so, there's all this battery operated stuff starting to kind of come in and, and play out that way. And I don't, I have a hard time. How's that work at ag? I think it's a different, it's a different set of situations than it is on the construction side, which I think will have a, an easier, more, um, adapt adaptational flow to, to that battery operated stuff just because of where it's at and what it is. But there's a lot of, so much stuff right now. I say on change, Dan, it's, it's, it's hard to talk about. You almost have to throw the old playbook out and start drawing a new one up.
1: <laughs> the, the battery powered stuff. My wife and I have this conversation a lot, but you know, like a battery, you know, a, a, a battery powered combine. Yeah. So, you know, we have to, I mean, the rain's coming and we have to go and, and she runs the combine and, Hey Dan, I need some fuel, so I'll run the pickup back and you know pump fuel in the combine and she keeps going. But with a with a battery operated one, A, do we have to run it back to the shop to charge it? Right. We have to have a diesel generator to charge it. And then what did we gain? Um <laughs> how long does it take to charge? How long is the charge? You know, how long is the charge good for? I mean, it's just I think it's gonna be it's gonna be tougher to I'm not saying it's not not possible, but it, it, that's going to be a tougher one to accomplish, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the battery technology has a long ways to go to generate the same horsepower that we're seeing in some of these machines now. Especially like, a, you know, you take a 600-horsepower a tractor and you try to generate a battery. Not that you can't. What you can definitely do with a battery, but that battery would be a massive battery to do that i mean the the keynote speech i was watching i can't i don't remember the numbers but it was like an astronomical amount of weight that would make the tractor weigh like four times the amount or something like that something ridiculous like that to, to maintain that same level of battery so battery technology just got a long ways to come but i mean look how far batteries have come in the last 10 years just in your basic household stuff i mean lithium batteries you know I'm, i've got a I've got a uh, Milwaukee half-inch impact battery-operated impact in my garage that I used to take tires off of my of my, my truck and stuff when I get a flat tire, and and that thing weighs whatever it weighs, ten pounds or whatever it weighs, and you know you zip it off and you're you're good to go, and that battery is as big as a coffee cup, you know, so it's it's a long it's come a long ways in what that looks like, but there again how does that play into the equipment space and what's that look like and what's the life of the battery and how often you got to change a battery. Cause I've seen stuff, people post stuff on Twitter of a Tesla car Chevy, something or another, I remember what it was, but it was $26,000 to get a new battery in their, in their car. You know? Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's, that's more expensive than an engine. You know what I mean? So you could buy four engines almost for that price. So that's, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to play into that.
1: I, was, I watched uh, a video on YouTube here maybe a week ago. It was a CNBC thing. And, and you know, they uh, Freightliner um, and Freightliner's uh, test, test facilities in Portland. Okay. And I see they're, they've got electric trucks that are running. They come out. I've seen them run down the highway. Um, but they, they claim it'll do 230 miles on a charge. I believe it said it took 90 minutes to charge. Mm-hmm. And the battery weighs 16,000 pounds.
0: Holy crap. 16,000
1: pounds. Yeah, man. That's, so, that's a lot. So could you imagine that on a combine? Yeah. And you get better conditions. I mean, all of a sudden that combine, you know, I've got a, a bigger Lexian combine and it weighs, you know, I think 30,000 pounds or 35,000 pounds empty. Right. You throw a throw a battery on there it's going to be 50,000 pounds
0: right and you, yeah you put 250 or 300 bushels of corn in that um at you know 60 pounds a, a bushel that's that adds up pretty quick you know
1: you have another 20,000 pounds on it you'll be 70,000 pounds going through the field
0: yeah so compaction now and there now you're looking at compaction what's that look like you know
1: so yeah. Now, we've, now we're going down another rabbit.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Well, again, it goes back to that, what you're talking about earlier, you know, that, that smaller, smaller tractor, and more of them type of thing. You know, I yeah. think that, that's where that comes into play. So a lot of, like I said, man, <laughs> you're going to take your, take your old playbook and just throw it out. Cause this it, it, it's, it's not gonna, it's not going to work anymore. And I think that's the, uh, that's what I'm the most excited about this time that we're in right now is that it's completely uncharted territory that, um, really opens up that space to to really figuring out what works what doesn't work and uh hopefully that you don't you know failure is a great teacher but there's only so many times you can fail before you failed so much that you you have to quit you know what i mean so i think it's uh it'll be an interesting time and i'm i'm excited to be in this business at this time
1: yeah it's fun i mean i just hope i up with all of it so
0: yeah. <laughs> you hit <and> me both <laughs> you hit me both well then
1: it, it's, it's fun to be in my situation where i get to go on a lot of farms and see what they're doing and i can learn from them sure. kind of going on
0: yeah so. yeah a lot of, a lot of things happen from a lot and getting a lot of different input points that's the other other neat thing because not everyone's doing the exact same thing you know, it's.
1: I I don't think there's two farms that are doing the exact same thing here. Yeah. I mean, everyone's doing something a little bit differently, and then, then I sometimes bring them back and try them myself, or mm-hmm. I'll try. Try and 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 give that advice to other you know, to the customers.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun. So. Well, Dan, I think that's a good place to stop, man. I appreciate you being on the podcast. If folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Uh, probably the best way is just on Twitter, at DanTheCornGuy. Um, all my contact information is right there. Right on.
0: Give him a call. Well, Dan, man, I appreciate you taking time to to sit down with me here.
1: No, I appreciate you having me on, Casey.
0: All right, man. Good deal. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and check out the video version of this on the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, which is called the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check it out. Uh, Moving Iron LLC has everything Moving Iron related. Get all the information from Moving Iron Summit coming up there in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. So if you're interested in checking that out um, and your dealer, check that out and we'll get you signed up. Otherwise, um, go to the website there, and you can fill out all the information there. You can send me an email at Moving movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com if you have any questions or uh, any of the guests I have on. And uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you again down the road here, Dan.
1: No, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Right on. I'm Casey Seymour, Dan Lewis. Let's to some iron folks.